With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! It's the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. Can't see him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits Radio Program. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we discuss everything racing. Um, let me introduce you to the panel I have assembled for you tonight. With me in the studio is Mr. Richard Uden from Eau Rouge Engineering and Mr. Seth Eggert from Motorsports Tribune. How are you fellas doing tonight? Doing good. Very good, thank you. All right. Well, guys, it's great to be back. Uh, I mean, we've had our uh, had our little rest time, our agonizingly race free winter, um, <laughs> where we just uh, have to do crazy stuff like watch football or talk to our families. Uh, you know, and <laughs> don't have that racing fix. Now we've yeah, had, I've a, had Formula E. Formula yeah, e. we've had Formula E, and yeah, we've had the Chili Bowl. We've had the 24 hours of Daytona uh, to yeah. keep us occupied. But it's uh, we're on the cusp of starting the uh, 2019 season uh, for the major series. Uh, NASCAR will be in action this weekend uh, with the Daytona 500. We've already had the uh, the clash behind us and the pole qualifying. Uh, by the time you listen to the show, uh, the the, uh, the the duels. Which I what do they call them duels now, Seth? They used to be Gatorade, then there were Can Am that. Whatever. Now they are the Gander RV duels. Gander RV duels to set the qualifying order will take place uh, tomorrow night. Or <laughs> wait, well, when you listen to the show, uh, you already have taken place. So uh, uh, IndyCar has been testing. Formula One is uh, having their livery launches. Um, it's just all the everything's coming together. So tonight will be our 2019 motorsports season preview show. And uh, we're going to start off with our open wheel series. A little later in the program, our friend Gray Warren, who's worked in NASCAR his entire life, will join us in the second half of the show when we discuss um, the stock cars. So uh, first off, um, let's talk about IndyCar. Uh, there's just been a lot of really amazingly positive news coming out of this series. You know, and this this is a series that not so many years ago. Appeared to be falling apart, and then even a few years prior to that, it was fractured and split. But uh, right now, there seems to be a great amount of momentum. Um, after five years, uh, Verizon um, has signed off as the um, the title sponsor. Uh, IndyCar, without missing a beat, was able to bring in NTT Global, 
which is the uh, international arm of NTT Data. NTT Data, which has been a sponsor with the Chip Ganassi car for a while. But uh, uh, NTT stands for Nippon Telephone and Telegraph. Uh, they're essentially the AT&T of Asia. They're a huge corporations company. Uh, they work on um, technology uh, that is used to design smart cities. Uh, they're going to, they, they want to uh, uh, design smart racing. Uh, we'll have to see what the future holds for this, but, uh, uh, but in the meantime, it's, um, it's, it's a, a pretty, pretty good um, partnership for the series. A lot of folks are um, plenty happy about it, plenty excited about it, uh, looking to see how this uh, partnership will uh, you know, benefit each party there. Um, NTT obviously brings a lot to the table in the terms of technology and communication. So uh, we'll just have to see how that goes. Uh, I, I'm sure this will probably eventually lead to um, an international race, uh, you know, probably back in Japan. I'm sure NTT would love to see uh, IndyCars back uh, in Japan at uh, Twin Motegi. Um, also, the this will be the first year of the exclusive uh, NBC deal. Um, we will no longer be splitting races on ABC and, and NBC. All the races will be on NBC or NBC Sports. All the qualifying uh, and practice will be on NBC Gold app. Um, you know, and, and on top of that, we've signed a couple of other sponsors. Speedway, uh, the convenience store chain, has signed on as the official fuel of the series, replacing Sunoco, which I kind of find funny because I always think of Speedway as a cup you know, place to get a cup of coffee. I don't think of Speedway as an actual fuel, uh, but but there they are, the official fuel of the series, Speedway. And uh, they're also able to sign a Gainbridge, uh, which is a uh, company on as a presenting sponsor for the Indy 500. So um, all good news there with, uh, with a bunch of new partners. Um, and on top of that, we've got a really great rookie class this year. Um, you know, being being led by probably the, the most excited, the two most exciting rookies are going to be Felix Rosenquist, who have, uh, a lot of us have been wanting to see in this series for a while. He'll be partnering Scott Dixon at Chip Ganassi. And then Marcus Erickson comes over from Formula One uh, to fill in for the injured uh, Robert Wickens at Schmidt-Peterson Racing. So um, now, now, Richard, you're fairly familiar with uh, Erickson here, and he's uh, he actually is tested quite well he was he was uh right there near the top of the timesheets in, in coda so um you know before we get on to talking about the the other rookies a little bit uh erickson's had a pretty good positive attitude coming into it um coming into the indy cars and i mean what are your thoughts about this kid i think his his um you know confidence is is quite well founded i mean um you know he had a relatively long Formula One career for somebody who maybe hadn't had a top drive, but um, you know, last year a lot of the talk was about Charles Leclerc in you know the term, in, in terms of his development within Sauber. But you know, he was kept honest for most of the season. I mean, he was he probably did he, you know Leclerc probably did outperform him in, in the grand scheme of things, but it wasn't you know every single weekend. You know, he he certainly held his own there. So um, I think he's got every right to come over to be confident and to. You know, think that he can go, you know, into a competitive car and uh, and make some waves there. You know, he, he's he's had a good year last year, and the results maybe didn't show, and he was dropped, but it was dropped more for a political reason than I think, uh, you know, necessarily a raw performance, you know, perspective. 
Yeah, and I feel like the situation he's stepping into uh, with uh, Schmidt-Peterson Racing is is a very good situation. Again, it's quite a competitive car. Um, you know, we saw uh, Robert Wickens at the, at the front end of the field um, quite often in that car. Um, Hinchcliffe won a race last year. Um, you know, we did have the little gaff where, uh, where Hinch missed the Indy 500, but, uh, you know, that can be chalked up to d- dumb luck or poor preparation or whatever. But, uh, you know, on the heels of this, um, the Arrow Electronics Corporation has stepped up their involvement with the team. They've got their, their, their name on all three team cars. The third mm-hmm. car is the partial season energy for, um, for Jack Harvey uh, with uh, Michael Shank involved there. And they, they were also, you know, acquired the, the naming rights for the team. It's now the Arrow uh, Smith Peterson team. So uh, yeah, that's more money coming into the team. That's a tremendous amount of support. Uh, I mean, you got to believe these guys at Arrow really have all the faith in the world in this team um, and in this series to put that kind of commitment there, particularly after they had to, you know, suffer the embarrassment of, sitting out Indy next year, but here they are, uh, you know, ready to go all on board. They've got an extra tub and chassis ready for Robert Wickens. Uh, should he be able to uh, return this year too, which is also exciting. Speaking of Wickens, you know, he continues uh, in his recovery. Uh, we see he post uh, some videos here and there, you know, on his social media of, um, you know, walking with some, some assistance, uh, you know, on an exercise bike and doing that, hmm. just trying to get all that, um, all those nerves and, and, and muscles working and, and, and we're really hoping him a full recovery. So, and, but, and he also, uh, at one point did a video with, uh, Hinchcliffe. It was a parody of Dave's thunder. Yes. The wheelchair scene. Yep. It was, it was quite funny. So <laughs> it, it shows that even, uh, you know, even as, uh, you know, devastating as his injuries were, it certainly didn't hurt his sense of humor at all. And, and him and Hinch, when you get those two guys together, you'd best better watch out, you know. So be ready for a couple laughs. Um, but moving on to some of the other rookies in the field here, we're going to see Ben Handy is going to make his uh, debut in a partial season uh, with Dragon Speed Racing, which is a new team. Um, R.C. Enerson will be back in the series. He's uh, he's raced a few IndyCar races here and there, but he's still eligible for Rookie of the Year honors. He's going to be part-time. Uh, in the Carlin car, splitting seat time with Charlie Kimball. Uh, Kimball, who's um, commitment from a sponsor, is only allowing him to do, uh, I believe, a five- or six-race season, which includes the Indy 500. Um, Santino Ferrucci uh, will be full-time in the coin car. Uh, this is a kid. He uh, uh, did a couple races with coin last year. He was pegged to be um, the uh, test driver for Haas. Um, he's had some time in Formula 3. He had a couple of unfortunate incidents over there and he's back, uh, back in the States. So, um, but we'll see what he can do. He's bringing some money to the team. Uh, the livery on the car looks great. It's a bright chrome livery. Uh, we saw it at Laguna Seca. So, um, we'll see how he does. And then, um, the Hardy Steinbrenner team, which is all in the news right now at the end of last season, they had put, uh, the duo of Colton Herta and a paddle award in the cars for the season ender. They had a little help from Andretti with the damper program, um, both those cars ran well, uh, award qualified in the top six, finished in the top 10, um, had a great run. And then both those guys, uh, Herta and award were introduced as the team's two full-time drivers for 2019. So, you know, flash forward to earlier this week, uh, it's announced that Pat award has split ways with Harding Steinbrenner racing. Um, 
and and it's it turns out that the they had a, a full time engine lease for Herta, but the engine lease for the second car only covered three races, including the Indy five hundred, which is what um, the uh, Indy Lights Championship scholarship would cover. Um, and there's some other stories coming out that um, Auto Week has reported that Michael Andretti offered Pato an eight race deal uh, in an Andretti car, and Pato turned it down. Um, and that was published the other day. And, and actually, Pato came to his uh, own defense on social media when a lot of folks were saying a few disparaging things about him, uh, you know, along the lines of it was immature of him to turn down Andretti or a stupid move, a bad move. Uh, who does this kid think he is? Uh, those sort of things. But uh, so now a little, a few more details have emerged that, um, you know, Pato says he didn't decline the deal. Uh, but at the time he was released from Harding Steinbrenner, the deal was already off the table. Um, I guess the timing wasn't right, but he's, he went on to say that he's had to sign some sort of confidentiality agreement. So there's a lot, a lot behind the scenes uh, that we're not being told. Uh, and, and then on, on the heels of all this, yeah, Andretti announces officially the alliance with uh, Steinbrenner uh, and Harding for next year. So, Seth, jump on in. And it, from what it sounds like, uh, Pato might have found a home at least for all but maybe one race of the season with uh, Ricardo Junkos and Junkos racing. Right now, all they have is one race scheduled with Kyle Kaiser. Uh, that being said, there's still a lot of fluidity in this situation as far as where Pato could end up. Uh, he's also talked, apparently, to Sam Schmidt. He's talked to... Uh, just about every owner in the in the paddock area. So yeah, he's talked to Ray Hall a little bit. Yeah, Ray Hall's indicated that they're they're stretched pretty thin as it is. Uh, you know, the thing to to get a team to add a car, uh, you're talking you're not just adding a car, right? You're adding personnel. You know, and then again, there's the the question of the engine leases. You know, if 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 this one engine lease was restricted, what what makes you feel there's an extra one laying around? Although you know, Michael Andretti can seem to make this happen. You know, I'm not sure. I, I really would love to know the whole story of, of, of how that went down and, and what fell through, you know, because what the little bits and pieces we're hearing are some are taken, some are out of context and, and others just don't add up. So, um, but for his part, award has had nothing but nice things to say about Michael Andretti. Uh, you know, he, he's mentioned that he wouldn't be where he was without uh, Andretti running him in lights. Uh, he said that he was on the phone with Michael, five, six times last Friday before this whole thing went down. So I'm not sure what the stumbling point was, but it sounds like they tried 11th hour to make something happen and it just fell through. through. But, uh, but to your point, Seth, Yunkos looks like uh, the, the spot where there's a car available without a driver um, that has a, a, you know, an engine for, for all 17 races. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens, but he's got uh, $1.1 million dollars in Indy Lights scholarship money that is supposed to guarantee a start at the Indy 500 and at least two other IndyCar races. Now, if he doesn't use this money, uh, my belief is after talking to some folks that he can't like carry this over to next year or he can't take this money and put it into an Indy Lights program and, and do another year lights. Can't take that money and take it over to IMSA, certainly. Uh, so I, I, I have the feeling just from, from what I've been told and what I've heard 
that it's a use it or lose it. But this is a kind of a unique situation where we've had a guy who's lost his ride, you know, three and a half weeks before the season opener. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. So it's, it's a little bit unprecedented because the whole ride was set up and it just fell through. So I don't know if uh, if anything doesn't happen uh, for him this year, if IndyCar would make an exception. But it'll be interesting to see how all this pans out. But uh, hopefully, come St. Pete, we'll see Pato Award in a car because, uh, face it, uh, the kid's pretty good um, and he deserves a ride in the series. Don't you say, Richard? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, was it at Sonoma last year? He was qualified in the top five or six, wasn't it? Uh, he, or raced there for you know a good part of the year of the, of the race. Yeah, the kids, uh, kids got something. Absolutely. So, um, with that being said, let's real really quickly, uh, we'll just talk about how entries for the Indy 500 are lining up. Um, even at this early stage, we will most certainly have bumping uh, if we if we start to count up all the cars. I believe we're at 36. Uh, maybe even 37, um, you know, there's, uh, Ray Hall's adding a car for, um, your countryman, Jordan King. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, uh, Dale Coyne will have a, you know, an extra car in there for Pippa man. He'll be running three cars. Um, there's Connor Daly is going to run the Indy 500 in an Andretti car, which for him, that's a fantastic opportunity. Um, so it'd be great to, great to see him there and what he could do. And, and beyond that, there's, a a couple of possibilities that um, we might see daily in a couple other races in Andretti cars. So uh, Indy 500 shaping up to be good, but uh, the two new circuits on the year this year will be Laguna Seca and circuit of the Americas in Austin. And the teams have 21, 21 cars tested at Laguna uh, last week. There's 25 cars testing at Coda this week, um, which now Richard, you and I were talking that um, this, uh, it's probably the first time in recent years we were able to see a head-to-head comparison of the same car or, or same track, same configuration, the same season of Formula One versus IndyCar. I mean, the last time they raced the same track was in Montreal, but they changed the configuration for the uh, for the kart guys then. Uh, but then you'd have to go back to, uh, you know, Watkins Glen in 1980, the last time you saw IndyCars and Formula One on the same track in the same year. And even then, the kart series used a short version of the course. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you'd have to go all the way back to the 1950s when they did the race of two worlds and put Indy cars and Formula One cars on the same track in Monza. So uh, that being said, um, the, the Indy cars were 14 seconds shy of 
Lewis Hamilton's pole speed. Okay, Lewis Hamilton's pole speed being the high mark. Um, so say in race trim, realistically, nine to tech, nine to ten seconds slower. Um, the Indy cars versus the Formula One. So uh, Richard, you're you've worked on Formula One cars. Uh, you're pretty familiar with Indy cars. So uh, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about um, you know the, the differences in the cars and and what we might expect to see out of the Indy cars in in race trim at Austin. Yeah, I mean, as you, as you, you quite rightly said to start off, that headline number of 14 seconds, whatever it may be, is obviously, you know, there's a huge difference between testing in February when it's it's pretty chilly out there still, I'm sure, and, um, you know, they're not going to be running on low fuel. Nobody's going to be doing a qualifying simulation. So it could even be less than 10 seconds. You know, it could be down to maybe six, seven or eight Um but it, it's, it's in a way, I think it's it's scratching everybody's itch to see really, you know, what the head-to-head of between those two cars are like. But um, you know, it is it is good to see them out there. It's a fantastic facility, a fantastic circuit, and it was it's almost sort of sacrilege in a way that um, you know, the IndyCar series wasn't using that circuit um, in the same way that you know with Laguna Seca and places like that, some fantastic circuits around. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the main, you know, the main fundamental differences between these two two, two series is that uh, you know, the, the Formula One series is a completely um, bespoke series. You know, every team um, designs their own chassis and aerodynamics and transmissions and suspension parts, and um, obviously, the, the engines will come from different engine manufacturers. Typically, um, obviously, you've got your big factory teams who will design the engines themselves, but it's it is very much. Um, you know, an individual sport, whereas with the IndyCar series is a little bit more, um, you know, you buy an engine from Honda or Chevrolet, you, you'll get your um, tub from uh, Delara, I believe it is, and then uh, you've got a spec uh, aero package. So there's a little bit of work that the teams can do in terms of um, damper and suspension design and geometry and specification, but it's not Again, it's still very, very limited. The big differences that I think you see are in terms of the simulation work these teams can do and also how they engineer the cars and how they go about setting them up. Um, yeah, I want to say that the Formula 1 cars probably have much quicker cornering speeds. Oh, yeah. So in the downforce Yeah, between the downforce, the DRS, the, the fact yeah. they have power steering. And, and what's, the, what's the horsepower on a modern Formula 1 car these, these days? Well, with the, with it with the being a turbo engine, it's, it's pretty difficult to um, sort of put them into comparison with a normally aspirated engine. But it's I don't think any of the teams actually really release that information anymore. Um, but it's it's significant, you know. And also with the hybrid curve system, again, you, you know, the energy re- regeneration system, it's very difficult to actually put a an absolute figure. For for the the horsepower they generate out there, because just the technology in them is so different from anything we've seen in the past. Certainly, you, yeah, but you, but suffice to say, it's probably a bit quite a bit higher than the oh, 750 yeah, yeah. that uh yeah, that I mean, any cars running. Yeah, so you, you, there's there's talk about it being up in the you know high 900s. Now, whether or not that is true, again, you know, teams obviously like to um you know they, they guard these numbers quite closely, but um. You know, the, the big say development uh, area between the two that's different is obviously in the aerodynamics. So as you say quite rightly, the cornering speeds in the Formula 1 car far, far outweigh anything that an IndyCar can achieve. 
and that's just uh, uh, that's not you know anything negative towards what the IndyCar can do. But then another area where the IndyCars are better is you know on, on the ovals. You know the design to places like Indianapolis. Um, you know the straight line speeds that they can achieve far exceed anything that a Formula One car can achieve. Again. They're just not designed for it. You could, even if you took a Formula One car and, and stripped it of, you know, made it incredibly, you know, streamlined and reduced all the downforce from it, I doubt very, very much you could get anywhere near a, an IndyCar lap time at Indianapolis. Now, some, you know, some of you guys out there have got iRacing or something, one of the similar packages. I'm sure you could, I'm sure people have done it, how to Formula One car around Indianapolis and, and see what the lap time comparisons are. But it's, you know, each car's built for a different. A, a different style of racing and also a different market. You know, uh, take a, a leading team, you know, a Penske or an Andretti. They would have a minuscule budget compared to even the smallest Formula One team. Um, I mean, you take Gene Haas, that's probably the best comparison. I can't remember the number he gave for the disparity between his IndyCar, oh, sorry, his, his NASCAR budget and his uh, Formula One budget. But it's, you know, I think the Formula One is at least three or four times, and that's a leading NASCAR team, which yeah, probably, yeah, again, has yeah, bigger yeah. budgets it, it, than a... Hundred, hundreds of millions, yeah. In, oh, yeah. in NASCAR, I think it's about 30 to 40 million per car for Gene Haas. Mm-hmm. And I want to say he was spending 100 to 150 million per car in F1. So, yeah, 300 million to maybe 100 million. So, it's, it's yeah, three, three or four times, you know, the difference there. Um, and again... I don't know what the budget of an Andretti or a Penske would be um, in in IndyCar, but I believe it's again lower. So, oh yeah, significantly less than 150 million. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Matter of um, fact, uh, you know, right right now the the IndyCar series is one of the more economical forms of racing yeah. compared to both uh, NASCAR and F1. So. Yep. Uh, um, you know, with the, with a, a bit of a shorter season and a, a spec chassis. Um, you know, support from the engine manufacturers and, of course, uh, support from Firestone, uh, which, again, well, one other formula, you know, one other IndyCar announcement, Firestone uh, signed on um, through 2025. So uh, great news because they've been an excellent tire partner for the series. But uh, let's let's uh, finish up talking about Formula One. Uh, we were talking about Haas. Now, Haas has a new sponsor they've signed on, um, Rich Energy. Uh, Rich Energy was close to signing with Williams, but uh, ended up with Haas. So um, um, the funny thing is that a a lot of people don't know a lot about Rich Energy. Uh, They they (laughs) claim to have produced 90, what, 90 million cans of energy drinks, but nobody I know have seen one on the grocery shelf. Um, How about you, Richard? And you've got friends in the UK who who should be around there. But um, there's a lot of really weird rumors circulating about this company richard but uh, uh yeah i mean what what do you know about them uh well the first came to prominence obviously with you know when they announced back in the last year that they were going to um has f1 but uh even before that they, they were on the verge of announcing a title sponsorship deal with williams formula one team um so i think it became it came a little bit of a i know it came as a shock to the williams organization as they didn't um you know, they, they they didn't know about, they thought they had the deal locked up and the first time they knew about it was when they announced it with uh, with Haas. So that was, um, yeah, it was a little bit awkward for those guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, 
I think Haas have to be a little bit careful here with who they're playing with. Um, you know, you've seen it all too often in in Formula One. Thankfully, not recently, but certainly in the eighties and nineties, that money appeared and disappeared quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, I, I I hope it's real, and I hope they do exist, and I hope they can put some money well, in and, there. And, yeah, evidently, the first couple checks have already cleared. Well, they've, yeah, they've already made their first couple of of commitments. So, I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we've seen we've seen things, you know, fall through. I, I, even recently with, um, oh, who did uh, Andretti have as a sponsor with uh, Hinchcliffe? It was a blue livery, some sort of data company, or oh, oh God, I can't remember with it. But they had they they had the, the the girls in the in the spandex suits, and it was the Seth. Do you remember? But but anyway, it, it turned out that none of the none of the checks that they were supposed to write to the team ever showed up, you know. And then we saw the same thing happen with uh, Brian Hurtis' team. Uh, they had a company called Energy E N E R G E E uh, had made a sponsorship commitment, and and none of that money ever made it there, which uh, which led directly to uh, Hurtis' team being absorbed by Andretti. So so yeah, I guess Haas has got to be careful. But uh, this guy, the, the rich energy guys, they, he says they're legit. He says, if you don't believe that they're an actual uh, drink company, you don't believe that uh, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> that was, that, yeah. that's uh, pretty close to his exact words. So, uh, but looking at the rest of the Formula One field, Richard, um, mm-hmm. who do you think is going to surprise us this year? We've seen new, new places, some um, new engines in new cars. Uh, you know, the Honda's in the Red Bull now. Uh, yeah. What are you? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think it's you'd like to see you know Honda be competitive. There's no doubt that the um, Red Bull chassis and aero spec is 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 probably the class of the field. I think if if you had a Mercedes engine in the back of that can, I know it never quite works that way. But if you had a Mercedes power, you know, a unit that was equivalent of the Mercedes performance in the back of that Red Bull, they would have been head and shoulders above anybody else over the last couple of years. Um, so it'd be great if that Honda engine could come along and, and be competitive. There was glimmers of it, um, or glimpses of it, sorry, last year with, with Toro Rosso. Obviously, Red Bull have got a lot of data from that, um, and Toro Rosso and Red Bull are sharing the same um, you know, power plant and rear end as well this year. So the Toro Rosso are going to have a big advantage there, not just the fact that they are given or are paying for a, a rear end and suspension geometry of a you know leading uh, team. You know, if you have a certain rear end geometry, that has a knock-on effect on your front end geometry. So the front end is probably not going to be a million miles away from what uh, Red Bull are running. Um, Danny Kvyat is coming back, and Albon comes in as well into the um, Toro Rosso team. So they could be pretty competitive. Um Sauber, you'd look to see them do well. They've just announced, uh, that, well, sorry, no, not Sauber anymore. Uh, Alfa Al- Romeo. Alfa Romeo, yeah. So. Yeah, no, they, no, they've taken. Re- really, really quickly, I want to jump yeah. back to Red, Red Bull for a second. Sure. Now, who is who is Verstappen's new teammate? teammate? Is, it, is it Pierre Gasly? Am I correct? correct? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Pierre Gasly's I, in there. I, I kind of like that guy, man. I think he's, he's. He's got something about him, for sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how Verstappen handles that in a way, because obviously. Red Bull's had a history of having your lead driver around and then 
somebody comes in and and forces him out. You know, obviously you've seen when Vettel was there in the sort of the early 2010s. You know, Danny uh, Ricardo came in, and you know, in all fairness, Vettel's last year with Red Bull was not particularly impressive, and Ricciardo had the beating of him in in many many races, and I think that partly forced his hand to to make that move to Ferrari. Then now, of course, you see this year, Danny Ricciardo go over to Renault because Verstappen's come in and, and he's obviously been the the golden boy of the team, which is a, you know, you, is this going to happen? If Gasly starts performing well, are they, you know, we're looking in two or three years' time of Verstappen being forced out. You know, the Red Bull have this, and we've talked about this many, many times on this show, the whole Red Bull young driver program. You know, they've got these guys coming through. And what do you do with them? You know, if if Kvyat suddenly is phenomenal now after his break and he comes back, does he get another shot at the Red Bull? And the same with anybody else. Um, and if he does, then who gets dropped? Well, you can't, you know, do you drop Gasly? Well, he's only been there a year or so. Well, you know, so what's the purpose of that? The purpose of that has, there has to be there for a reason. Yeah, see, so, Red, Bull, Red Bull just needs to branch out and have a few more teams. They could have the, the Red Bull Tropical and then the Red Bull yep. Blueberry. Exactly. Sugar-free Red Bull. They could know. have their own racing series. <laughs> they could sure. have their own racing series. <laughs> they, sure, it, you know? they sure. Well, they do They do with airplanes. I think they've stopped that now, haven't they? Have they? Oh, I I'm, so. that, that's fun anyway, to watch. Yeah. Anyway, was, I yeah. digress. That's just yes. not part of our show. Yeah. So. Um, but, no, it's um, it'd be interesting to see that sort of dynamic with the teammates because if Gasly starts to push Verstappen, that'll be... Um, I so said that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Of course, the Mercedes seat—you're probably starting to think that Bottas is under pressure. If he doesn't raise his game substantially this year um, and push Hamilton a lot closer, which he did last year at times, but look, you know, went against him in places, then you're looking at. Um, I mean, Red. You know, Mercedes have two drivers on their books straight away. Um, Ocon and uh, George Russell, who's at Williams, so that's going to be an interesting, um, you know, situation there. You would imagine that Bottas would you know, would have to do something really special this year. I dare say he'd have to maybe even win the championship this year to to keep his drive for next year. Unfortunately, um, yeah, yeah, and it's going to be tough to do because he's still got Lewis in the other car. Exactly. So, yeah. So and then let's to be talk. I want to ask you about Renault though. Yep. I'm kind of really interested in, in, in Renault. They seem to have been made uh, making really good, steady progress year after year. I mean, are they going to are they going to crack that you know glass ceiling? I guess uh, to to break into those top three, particularly if if uh, the Honda fails to 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 perform in the Red Bull car, is, is, does that put Renault uh, on deck? Potentially. I mean, they they've targeted 2020 for race wins, and they saying that their hiring of Danny Ricciardo is a catalyst for that. Um, you know, trying to do what Mercedes did when they ha- hired um, Hamilton. You know, those years before they went over to the um, turbo era. So. There's obviously a lot of talk coming out of Renault about how they want to be winning championships and being competitive. Um, their engine plan is their engine package is competent at best. You know they never really. I mean they they would never really got within touching distance of Red Bull. So fundamentally, you have a problem there. You know you you can't beat Red Bull with the same power plant, then you're not going to win 
you know, the, you know, you're not going to win that that battle there. Um, potentially, if Red Bull do suffer with the Honda engine, but I, I feel that the Honda engine is on such a level now that it's probably comparable to the Renault engine. I'm sure McLaren wouldn't want to hear that, but I think there's similarity. I think that the difference between the two cars is going to be such that even if there is a um, detrimental engine package there, I think the aero package on the Red Bull side will more than make up for that. Um, It's one of those difficult things, isn't it? You know, you want to see the likes of Renault be competitive and back up at the front end of the field. You want to see the likes of McLaren be competitive and back up at the front of the field. You know, even guys like Williams, anybody, you, you want to see people break into that top three category. But for that to happen, one of the big three has to underperform. And there, that is getting harder and harder because the level that these guys are working at, you know, the, the levels that the guys like Mercedes and, McLaren and um, Red Bull and Ferrari are working at, are on such another level compared to these other organizations. It's very, very, very hard to break through. I mean, it's almost like you've got the big three teams or your NFL teams, and then everybody else is playing college football. It's, it is becoming almost impossible for these guys to, to bridge that gap purely on, on the financial side. And the resources of a team like Mercedes is, is phenomenal. And Renault can say everything they want to say. And I, I, I genuinely hope they are competitive and they do push for race wins. But I, it's going to be a tall order, you know. Um, I, I think there has to be a seismic shift in Formula 1 for some of these teams to, to regain the ground that they've lost. Yeah, well, I mean, the seismic shift is not out of the realm of possibility. If you look at the... The teams that are at the bottom of the grid, you know, they include McLaren and Williams, who who are responsible for how many championships oh, over the sure. years and how many dominant, dominant, dominant seasons, you know, back in, back no. in their, their heyday. So, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, things 100%. are cyclical. But you look at it. For sure, yeah. So. And, and, and what do those teams that you mentioned there have in common? Well, they're constructor teams, and they did well during the constructor era before exactly. the, the – Yeah, yeah, the constructor exactly. era is uh, – uh, no more. In, in yeah, the and and this was this was my big point. I mean, even when I was working at, at Williams' team, there was talk that Honda approached Williams back in you know four, five or six years ago when they were looking to return, and Williams said no because they had the Mercedes deal. And there's you know there's no doubt you know Williams had that you know, thirteen fourteen era when you know there were there were you know battling for podiums up there, but. I'll say this now, you will not win a championship as a customer engine supplier. No Mercedes-powered team, apart from Mercedes, will win a championship. No Ferrari-powered team, apart from Ferrari, will win a championship. Um, No Honda-powered team now, apart from Red Bull, will win a championship, especially if they're all in on it. And as long as you have that scenario where you have engine suppliers supplying leading teams, you will always have this hierarchy. Because if if say i don't know racing point whatever they're called these days suddenly come along and have a breathtaking chassis and can beat mercedes i'm telling you now their engine maps their cooling packages the requirements on that engine will be com- will be manipulated in such a way that 
they will not be able to beat Mercedes. Just hands down. Where's where's the point in Mercedes doing what they do if that can happen? And that's exactly, why exactly that's why so. McLaren took the risk to go to Honda. Now it didn't work out, and I still think that was a mistake. I still, still, still believe that McLaren leaving Honda was a mistake because Honda will get it right at some point. Renault again. They're an engine manufacturer. Where is the desire for Renault to have McLaren win a championship? When then, that just makes them look bad. Because it's like, well, hang on, we're putting all this money into our own team and we're being beaten by somebody else. It's a very, very negative thing. Um, so, yeah, when, when you look at it that way, yeah, you can say that's McLaren really probably should have stayed where they were at with Honda and let them. Because Honda's got a great history of figuring it out. Yeah. You know? You know, when they when they first started Formula One in the '60s, they were took them a while, but they figured it out. When they first started Indy IndyCar in the '80s, it took them a while. They they gosh, they left Bobby Rahal out of the Indy 500. We know that, uh, but they figured it out. You know, so and and time and time again, they've left Formula One to come back in, and they've always figured it out. So um, good on them. So Richard, um, just a, about another minute on Formula One because mm-hmm. we've got uh, <clears throat> our friend Gray Warren has just joined us. Um, getting, you know, Gray getting ready for the Daytona 500, uh, which is coming up this weekend. Gray, who's been, uh, twice, twice on a member of a team that's won the Daytona 500. And I think that's really cool. But, uh, just your final thoughts on, on the Formula One preview till we're going to turn this over and we're going to let, uh, let Gray and Seth take over the second half of the show. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been some rule changes obviously this year with aero restrictions around the front wing and the barge boss that make the cars follow each other closer i don't think that's going to make it into a you know a, a, like a restrictor plate race that you see in nascar in terms of overtaking but hopefully it's baby steps into getting into a position where you can see guys fighting for each other i'm a little bit concerned about some of the noises coming out of liberty it's almost as if they're losing interest in Formula one i hope that's not the case um but yeah i mean you know next week the cars hit the track again for the first time since uh Abu Dhabi, and um, it's going to be good to see how many miles Mercedes can do without breaking down. All right. So uh, that being said, we're looking forward to that. When's the first race of the Formula One season? Uh, it's mid March, I think. Australia, isn't it? Australia, yeah, March. Melbourne, mid March, I think. Yeah, you've got two four-day tests. I think you've got one this week. They've got an off week, then they've got another week, then they've got an off week, and then they've got Melbourne. So it's probably about a month away, just over right. five you weeks, maybe. And then IndyCar will start about the same time mid-March uh, with the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. But the NASCAR starts this weekend. I mean, we've already had the clash. Uh, and Seth, you wrote a nice article about the clash. But, uh, Gray, uh, welcome back, man. You know, uh, it's been it's been a long winter. Um, good to have you back. So uh, Glad to be back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've missed talking to you about racing every weekend. So, um, you know, NASCAR's fired up. Um, now, the... New rules pa- is the new rules package in effect for Daytona, or is no. this, or is this this is the last, the last restrictor plate race? This is the last restrictor plate race. All right. So, uh, but the what what rule package did they use during the 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 clash? Uh, the restrictor plates. The restrictor yes. plate. Okay, I, I didn't get a chance to see it, so I just I just want to make sure all my facts are straight. But I'm gonna I'm just gonna let you two guys take it away and preview uh, the, the Daytona 500 as well as the. Uh, uh, the upcoming season and trucks and Xfinity. So uh, take it away, Gray. Well, you know, the, the season got off, got started off with a bang. Uh, 
much anticipated for, for a lot of fans. It was kind of a quiet off season with a lot of, you know, uh, just not a lot of NASCAR news coming out of the shops until just before Daytona. Uh, and uh, everybody was, I guess, you know, ready to get down there and get things underway. Um, and the cr- clash came out and uh, uh, Seth and I'll debate that, but uh, you know, I was kind of a dud uh, a little bit. I think weather had a lot to do with it. Of course it didn't, it did not run to its completion and was twice interrupted by rain um, and, and ultimately ended, you know, due to rain and a, and a big crash at the end. So kind of, uh, Kind of took the wind out of everybody's sails a little bit there with the, with the much anticipated uh, first race of the season, getting all the cars on track. Uh, didn't kind of quite turn out like uh, like everyone wanted, but still still good to see the cars back out there, and and we'll uh, uh, we'll see some more action tomorrow night and get a better feel for what we're going to see Sunday uh, after tomorrow's uh, Twin One Fifties. But uh, qualifying dominated by. Uh, uh, the Hendrick team all get all four of their cars in the top four spots. I thought it was very impressive. And that was the first time that's ever happened in Daytona yeah. 500 qualifying. Uh, just going back to the clash real quick. Uh, Frank was nice enough to say that the article was nice. What I had to say about the clash wasn't so nice. Uh, just about everything that uh, went wrong or could have gone wrong went wrong in the clash. You had the wreck at the end that took out all but three cars, essentially. You had a scoring error in which they wasted about four or five laps trying to fix the positioning of cars. You had not only red flags for rain, but there were times in which they actually were driving down the backstretch in the rain before the caution came out. Mm-hmm. And you had a uh, jet dryer leak fuel. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully that's their mulligan. And everything, all that's behind them now. And, and of course, like you said, the, the 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 clash was, you know, this makes two years in a row where um, the drivers have walked away from the clash with less than glowing remarks about it. Uh, I think I, I saw one one comment attributed to uh, Kevin Harvick where he said he wished they would just do away with the clash. That its time has has come and gone. Uh, what what did you did you did you see that Seth? I, yes, uh, I was actually I, actually I was actually listening to that because he said on his show Happy Hours. Uh, personally, I think it's just that it's too long. Uh, back in the day, uh, up until yeah, about two thousand two two thousand three, the clash was only about twenty twenty five laps. Yeah, and then it became fifty, and I think fifty laps is probably about. You're right. Seth, I think 50 laps are probably the the limit on that because you want it to be a be an all-out sprint race and include one pit stop. And typically, if you can run 50 laps now, I think you could you would you know you could uh, you could uh, mandate one pit stop in, in the in the in the race, and, and it would be. But yeah, you're right. I think 75 laps is is a little bit too long. And I I know why NASCAR is trying to do it. They're trying to get people who did show up for for, for that. Uh, uh, event, uh, give them a little bit more bang for their buck. But but you're right. And back in the days when the when the clash was really exciting, uh, it was it was a much shorter race. And on top of that, just something else to add to it, that field consuming wreck. Uh, it was a racing deal between 
uh, Menard and Johnson. Yeah. Everyone pretty much agrees on that. Yeah. But uh, just a fact about it, because of that wreck, uh, Jimmy Johnson continues a streak in which he has not had a clean speed weeks since 2006. Yeah, his his record at Daytona has been miserable of a, a, for, for quite a quite a while there. And in fact, uh, I don't. This is the first first clash he's finished in a while, is it not? Uh, it, the first one in I think seven years. Yeah. So, yeah, and you know, like I said, and, and of course, you, you you listen to the fan traffic uh, on the thing. Of course, fans are going to have their favorites, and they're gonna they're gonna debate it. But but I agree with you, Seth. It was a it was a racing incident. Uh, I don't think you can. Could 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 really put the blame on anybody. Uh, it, they were racing for the lead, and 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 uh, it's just what it just happens. That's a, the nature of uh, restrictor plate racing with these cars and the aero package that uh, they're running with now. At least the current aero package. Uh, yeah. Time they get to Talladega, they will be well, the running. Speedway, I should say, yeah. Let me let me let me rephrase it. The Speedway aero package. Yes. yes. And but at Talladega they will have a slightly different one mm-hmm. with the taper spacer instead of the restrictor plate. And then depending on which track we're at, we're either gonna have a tapered five fifty or a tapered seven fifty package. Mm-hmm. And the some of the smaller news pieces uh during the off season, there's already talk of a Gen seven car coming at as early as two thousand twenty one. Yep, and and some of the things that People are speculating uh, on that. Uh, uh, the cars, uh, the cup cars will be a complete composite body. Uh, they will uh, do things like they'll do away with the splitter. And I've heard that and raise the side skirts, uh, possibly a newer tire, lower profile tire and, and changing of the wheels. And also another thing that I heard that is possible that uh, we could see a reduction in engine size. We could go down to somewhere around the 305 cubic inch engine. So, uh, you know, that all of that is also to try to uh, lure in other uh, manufacturers. There's talk of at least two being interested, but that they're not interested in the current Gen 6 style body. Yeah, and the and the and the uh, and I, I've seen some artist renditions and stuff of the of the Gen Seven, much smaller car, a little bit more sportier car look it, uh, look to it. To be be, be two door coupes, uh, kind of like that. But if you think about the cars that we're running right now, the Mustang and the Camaro are both coupes. Mm-hmm. So right. we're kind of heading in that direction as it is. He, as yeah, it is, and, yes. Toyota, and, and, Toyota's looking to switch to the Supra shortly, right. aren't they? In the Infinity, they, they will be. In the, yeah, yeah, Infinity, they will, but then Supra in Cup next year, or uh, they or have is that not to plan? Uh, they have not said yet. Okay, yeah. and I, th- I think that's probably a good move on NASCAR's part because you want to you want to the the, the fans to identify with the cars on the street. And and that's what that that's what the cars are headed towards. So you you know to be able to you know they still want to market cars. Uh, Detroit and the manufacturers do. So yeah, you you need to do it. And I think uh, I think it'll be time for a, a body change in 2021. You know to freshen freshen the sport up and kind of spice it up a little bit. So I don't think that's a, that'll be a bad move at all. And I think it's a time that if you want to look at a at a at a at an engine reduction that that won't break the bank as far as the um, uh, owners are concerned, uh, 
that would be a good time to do it because they've already instituted rules that have reduced the inventory of engines that the teams have to have now anyway. So by kind of working that in and, and further reducing those uh, uh, 358 cubic inch engine uh, that they currently run, currently by going ahead and re further reducing some of those inventories, uh, that will help uh, be that be that a little bit easier to swallow that uh, that changeover to the smaller uh, engines. I would imagine the blocks and pretty much would a lot of that would be be uh, some of the pretty much be the same, but uh, they would uh, introduce rules that would the lower the uh, uh, displacement of the of the engine. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a good time to do it. And speaking of rules, uh, NASCAR announced one pretty major, uh, I would say, rule, if not policy change. From now on, if uh, the race winner fails post-race tech at the track, they are disqualified. The uh, win, yeah. the mm -hmm. points, the money, the trophy all go to second place should they pass tech. And I think that's probably a, a rule change. It's probably long overdue because virtually all your grassroots sanctioning bodies in, 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 uh, in the United States currently do that. Uh, and, and NASCAR has been the lone holdout in their three major series uh, forever doing this. Of course, they've been off, off one-off incidents here and there over the over the course of time that had, that had been a little the, bit different but the most but, recent disqualification in the top three series came in 2002 in a bush series race at right. that time exactly. and that was because a team had drilled holes in the roll cage mm -hmm. yeah i remember that i remember that uh remember that that's the incident i was i was referring to i knew it was in the bush series but couldn't remember the exact time but yeah but it, but i say that's probably long overdue and that's again i think nascar listening to the fans the fans have long wanted that and nascar's reasoning over the years is they wanted the fans to know who won the race when they left the track well you know um times have changed uh, you know there's there's instant news media now so there's there's nothing like where in the old days when people left the track and drove home and they you know they didn't have uh have smartphones and uh there was no internet you know and they'd have to go home and read the paper the next morning to tell them what they saw on Sunday afternoon and things like that. Uh, everything's changed. So those, those things don't apply anymore. So basically I think that's, that's a good rule change that uh, the fans, the fans will like. Yeah. But l let me ask this question to you guys here. Okay. So when we're talking about failing post-race tech, right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, cause we know there's different levels of, of, mm -hmm. of failure right mm -hmm. uh, is is the disqualification just at a certain level because you know we've uh, talked about talked about the laser it, inspection it can, be, it can be as simple as uh what well, last year was a l1 penalty let's say uh the car being too low or too high depending on the series or uh the incorrect or manipulated spoiler uh they the wording of the announcement was, had this been in place last year, Kevin Harvick would have been disqualified from the first Vegas win and the playoff Texas win. 
Okay, now what were his, what was, I know what his infraction was at the first Vegas race. That was on the rear glass yeah. uh, distortion. At, at, uh, the, so, yeah, Texas uh, was a spoiler. Texas was the spoiler. They, right. Uh, yeah. Placed it slightly off to the right, and well, they, it wasn't the correct material. Right. Well, they made their own spoiler yes. instead of doing the using the spec spoiler that is required. So yeah, and those are pretty egregious uh, uh, fouls there, if you will. That's not that's not like you know having three lug nuts on or or or, or anything like that. that, uh, that three is, three lug nuts would actually be a disqualification. Okay. Now. Okay. Well, we're just, you know, and I imagine, you know, I, I think that's going to cause some controversy uh, along the way. We'll wait and see how it plays out when it does happen. But, uh, you know, uh, there'll be guys will be a little bit more cognizant of, of, of what they're doing. Also, talking about that, there were three car chiefs that uh, were uh, uh, eliminated from the festivities the rest of the week. And they, for, after uh, failing uh, pre-race uh inspection uh this weekend and those were the the car chief on the three the 13 and who was the other one the nine the nine car so those they all lost crewmen which would be the car chief for the rest of the week and and that's the other part of the rule change as well uh pre-qualifying inspection or post-qualifying inspection depending on the track if they fail twice they lose a crew member if -hmm. they fail three times i believe it is uh, a crew member and not just practice time anymore, but also a drive-through penalty. So at the beginning of the race. At the yes. beginning of the race. So NASCAR is cracking down on the gamesmanship mm-hmm. that teams are getting away with the past two, three seasons. So when they lose a crew member, okay, is it a specific crew member related yeah, to the specific. violation? Okay, yeah, it, so is, it's, it is the car okay. chief. Not the crew chief, but the car chief. Car chief typically is a second in command that oversees all the changes and that the uh, crew chief uh, passed down. So, in other words, you know, the car chief is is over the car and he is he is responsible for making the changes and making sure that the the race car is compliant. All right. So, if you were a betting man, either of you two. Oh, that's another rule. (laughs) But but if you were a betting man, who would you? Who's going to be the first guy to lose a win? It it just just you know just just for fun. Well, I I, I don't know. You know, if you went on past uh, penalties, the the two most penalized crew chiefs in the garage right now are Chad Ganaus and Rodney Childers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chad was, you know, Chad always had, everybody's always got their eye on him when they show up at Daytona because he's run a foul down there several times. And, I mean, in, in one of Jimmy Johnson's Daytona 500 wins, uh, he was sent home uh, prior to the 500. 2006. So, yep. So, yeah, that, that it's hard to say. I think um, people still continue to stretch the rules. That's what they'll do. Um, oh, think, come on, just just for fun, let's let's all throw a name out there and see who wins. I think <laughs> honestly, I don't think it's going to be one of the top crew chiefs. I think it's going to surprise. I think it's somebody that's going to be trying to push the envelope to uh, to uh, make their team competitive with the top teams. So I'm not going to say it's going to be one of the top, one of the big three guys, or one of the 
one of the top teams. I think it's I think it's going to be one of the uh, uh, maybe second tier guys trying to uh, keep up with the big boys. That's just Me- my opinion. Meanwhile, I'm actually going to go a little bit further out there um, because this rule encompasses all of NASCAR series. I think the first one that will end up losing a win won't actually be in the Cup Series, but will be in the Xfinity Series. So neither neither one of you guys have thrown out a driver's name. Richard, Richard, who's the first driver that's going to lose a win in the NASCAR Cup Series? Just for fun. That's a damn good question. Let's have a think. Probably, it'd be ironic if it was a driver who hasn't won a race yet, wouldn't it? Daniel Suarez. There we go. <laughs> okay, there you go. Thank you, Richard, for throwing out a name. This is just for mm-hmm. fun, guys. So uh, I know, I know, but it's, it's I know. You know, it, I it is, I, yeah. It's a really difficult question because yeah, the guys yeah. are going to think twice mm-hmm. before we, we, with this new yeah. rule in the books. But uh, well, we're down to just a few minutes in the show. What other rule we talked about? Touched about? You said being a betting man. That's the NASCAR has changed their their gambling policy to be more in line with the stick and ball sports. They they came in. I, I don't. I didn't really see the need uh, of it. I anyone haven't. inside the industry, they can participate, but they're capped at two hundred fifty dollars. And that's uh, more of that's fantasy stuff. You know, you yeah. can't. You know, you can't go and go to the sports book at Vegas like, 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 like we can. But, but that's uh, for like uh, crew members and licensed the NASCAR yeah. uh, fantasy yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, license, license. Anyone that's lost a licensed competitor and i don't know i don't know what i mean i have never heard of anything being you know where that's done i think nascar just did that to kind of fall in line with other mainstream sports i don't know that that's yeah well I, you know the federal they lifted the bat on on sports yeah betting. there's just gonna be more of it out there but exactly guys, we're, we're down to one minute left in the show we have enough time for everyone to go ahead and make your pick for the daytona 500 i'm gonna start with you seth I'm going to go with Brian Blaney. Great. Okay, and I'm telling you what, since I am no longer a licensed member of NASCAR, I can bet and do whatever I want to. So I'm still <laughs> so I so I look at odds and things like that, and I'm and, and and my pick does not have any bearing on how he ran this weekend in the clash, but I told someone uh, a week prior uh to put money on this guy for me at uh, in Vegas when when he was out there, he's at forty to one currently, and that's Paul Menard. Mm, so that's gonna be, come on, that's, that's yeah. my pick. That's my pick to win the five hundred. All right, now Richard, you get a pick. It sounds like you were gonna go with Paul Menard, but now Whoa, you get to well. pick. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, I... really? Were you going with Paul? I was. I was. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I this does. Pick- those HMS cars look strong, don't they? Yeah, they do, boy. I tell Alex, you Alex Bowman. Yeah, Chase is going to be tough. I think that's be my really my my pick is Chase. My pick is Chase Elliott for the Daytona 500. Guys, we'll uh, we'll all get together next week, do this again. Um, but we are out of time, so I want to thank uh, thank you, Gray, Richard, Seth. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank all you folks that tune in and listen to us every week. Uh, this is Drafting the Circuits. Good night. Who? 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.